Praise God. Good worship. Thank you all. Sometimes you get some of those worship services and the Spirit of God gets moving, people get healed and things happen. That happens. So make sure you put it on a praise card and put it here so everybody can know about it. Praise God. We're over in Proverbs chapter 4 here today. I skipped Proverbs chapter 3 but didn't realize that until just before the service. So we'll get into Proverbs chapter 3 another uh, next week or so. So we're in Proverbs chapter 4. There was a story of George Phillips of Mississippi. I've heard stories like this coming out of Texas, but this one's out of Mississippi. Who was going to bed with his wife told him that he had left the light on in the shed. So George opened the door to go turn off the light, but he saw that there were people in the shed instead. They were in the process of stealing their stuff. So he picked up the phone and he called 911. And he said, there are people in the shed stealing our stuff. And so the 911 operator says, are they in the house? And he says, no, they're just in the shed. He said, well, that's fine. He says, just stay in the house, keep the doors locked. And as soon as we have a police officer available, we'll send one on over for you. There's, there's no one available now. Right now we have no one available. But as soon as we get one available, we will send a police officer over for you. He said, well, by then they'll be gone. He said, well, sir, just be safe and stay in the house. Well, he hung up the phone and he counted to 30. One, two, three, four. Then he called back and he said, there's no need to send out a police officer. I went out and shot them all and he hung up. (laughs) He said within minutes, there was three police officers, an ambulance. (laughs) And um, the police officer came on the scene and he said, I thought you said you shot them. He said, I thought you said no one was available. (laughs) There are different ways of getting people's attention, aren't there? God tries to get our attention. He wants to get our attention with the wisdom of God. The last couple of weeks, we have looked at some people that God had the wisdom of God come to them, but they didn't recognize it, and they went with the foolishness instead. And they ended up going away of destruction. They ended up going away that wasn't good, and it could have been avoided. But they didn't give their attention to what was important. Last number of weeks, we've examined the thing that draws us to foolishness. Remember what that is? We had the kids in here that week. We used the CAPE acronym. It is the cost. Sometimes wisdom costs us too much. And foolishness is easier. The appeal. We saw with uh, a number of the people that the appeal was there for the thing that was foolish. There was an appeal to it. It appealed to their flesh. It appealed to what they wanted to do. There was an appeal. There's pressure. Sometimes we feel pressure from people to do a certain thing. And it's not the thing that God wants us to do. God doesn't pressure us. He gives us a choice. He's very easy going with that. Very often I'll just say, I lay before you two ways. You can go this way, you can go that way. Whichever way you want to go. Here you are. This way leads to life, this way leads to death. You take your pick though. But see, the way of foolishness tends to look for pressure. Try and push you. Urgency. Crisis. Whenever we give into these things, we generally go the way of foolishness. Effort, the effort of a thing. Most times wisdom looks like it's going to take a lot more effort and foolishness seems like it's going to be easier. Wisdom we saw in the Word of God is out in the open. Foolishness is trying, trying to stay concealed. We looked at the Queen of Sheba, that she pursued wisdom. She came all the way to Israel 
from an area probably around Ethiopia, bringing all kinds of gold, spices, gifts. And when she heard all the wisdom of Solomon, she said, the half has not been told to me. And she gave him all the presents that she, she brought. And that was a lot of stuff. We looked in the area of Proverbs and we saw that in regards to wisdom, we are first off to receive it, to treasure it, to incline our ear to it, to apply ourselves to it, to call for it, and to seek and to search for it. These are things you are to to do. The scripture, we're going to get into it here today, but the scripture we have looked at often, get wisdom. That's an action word. We need to go out there and get it. It's not going to come to us. We need to go and Get it. We need to do that. Foolishness will find you. Wisdom needs to be gotten. How many have ever seen people do foolish things? You don't seem to have to try hard to do foolish things. But wisdom takes some getting. Did you ever see that show? We watched it a couple of times, but after a while it seems like it's the same show all the time. But they had that show in there called uh, Wipeout. Anybody ever see that one? And you watch some of the people that are on here. And then some of the things they do, you know, they run across that one little spot where the punching bags are or the little punches are and they, they punch you and you send you flying into the mud. And the people go on through there and they just come sailing on through like they've never seen the show before. Or, you know, when they climb up a ladder, what's going to happen in the show Wipeout when you climb up a ladder? Something is going to hit you at the top. And so constantly people climb up the ladder and sure enough, here comes this big old boxing glove or some kind of thing and it whops them as soon as they get to the top of the ladder sends them sailing all the way back down the ladder and into the water and you got to wonder how foolish can people be do you not defend yourself i mean it's not foolishness to be on a show you're going to win some money some people want to get down there and they'll take a little bit of a beating to win the money but um guard yourself against some of these things don't just sit there climb up the ladder and wait for somebody to hit you right in the face (laughs) get ready for it and uh they just don't seem to do that not all that well. Anyway, we looked at uh, last, last week, we ended on this. Receive what is sent. God's going to send his wisdom. We've got to receive what is sent. Pursue what we are told to and let the rest come to you. Too often we are pursuing the things we're told will come to us. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added. doesn't say we have to go get them. But too often we are going to get the things that are supposed to be added and we are trying to wait for things to come that we're supposed to go get. And that's why the lives are not quite working out the way that we should. Proverbs 4. There's a really interesting principle when we get down here to the end of this that I hope you get a hold of and understand. You get a hold of this and understand it can change your life in a very drastic direction. And it may help you understand why some things are not working in your life quite the way that they should. But that's at the end. Proverbs 4, verse 1. Hear, my children, the instruction of a father, and give attention to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law. When I was my father's son, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me and said to me, Let your heart retain my words. Keep my commands and live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her. and She will preserve you. Let her... Uh, Love her and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Who said that? David. Look at what he said. When I was my father's son. 
tender and the only one in the sight of my mother. He also taught me. So who taught this? David did. What did Solomon do with the words that his father spoke to him? He retained them. He spit them back out. How do you spit something back out unless you go over it and over it and over it? Let my, let your heart retain my words. Your heart will not just retain words. You got to focus on that. You can make it not do it. Let your heart retain my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will preserve you. Love her and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Not money. Not stuff. Wisdom. Don't even say faith. It says wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom and in all you're getting, get understanding. Well, we need to hear... And we need to give attention to these things. I got to first off hear it. We understand that people in the Bible, Rehoboam, did he not hear the wisdom of God? But he rejected it, didn't he? He went with the advice of his friends. Absalom heard the wisdom of the wisdom that would have got him to throne, not necessarily the wisdom of God, but he heard something wise and he turned it down and he went after something else because it appealed to his flesh nature more. Verse 8, exalt her... And she will promote you. Exalt her and she will promote you. If you take the wisdom and you exalt wisdom above all things and you seek after wisdom and you, when you hear wisdom, you recognize it, you retain it, you keep it in. If you do that, the wisdom that you bring into you will promote you. Wisdom will promote you. How many want to be promoted? Because promotion means more. More money. More responsibility. More value. Promotion is good. Promotion is not a bad thing. We like promotion. We want promotion. He's saying you want promotion, get wisdom. Exalt wisdom. Love her. If you exalt wisdom, she will promote you. If you despise wisdom, if you toss it aside, what happens to your promotion? Now, it's not just wisdom in regards to whatever it is that your job entails. He's just saying wisdom. If you bring wisdom in, it will promote you. That's what wisdom will do. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. How many like to be honored? Yeah. If you embrace wisdom will bring you honor. Too often, people want to demand honor. You can't demand honor. But if you, if you seek after wisdom, she will bring you honor when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory she will deliver to you. That's some good stuff there. This is good. This is exalting you. This is giving you honor. This is putting you in a place of promotion. Hear my son and receive my sayings. It's one thing to hear. It's another thing to receive. There's many things that we hear. There are not as many things that we receive. You need to hear and you need to receive. And if you don't know the difference, then you are probably not doing any receiving. You got to be in a place to hear and to receive. Just because you heard 
does not mean you received a thing. How many of y'all know sometimes you've been listening to people and you just shut down? I'm not taking anything this person is saying. I'm sitting, I'm standing here. I'll nod, I'll acknowledge, but I'm not taking a thing. So you're hearing, but you're not receiving. Well, that's a real strong case of it, but there's also other times where it comes in, where you heard it. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was good. And an hour later, what was that that went on again? What'd they say? I know it was good. I don't remember. You didn't receive it. You heard it. You didn't receive it. How can you tell if you receive it? Do you have it? Do you have it? Picture it this way. I mean, most of us, even if we are not fans, have watched some part of a baseball game. How many can, can say, whether it was in a movie, whether it was an actual baseball game, whether it was a relative who was playing baseball, how many of you can say that you have watched or you have seen a baseball game? Yeah, we can bring, we've seen some parts of it. I mean, at least, at least in the movies you've seen it. Now, the idea of baseball is you got that little white ball and you chuck that ball around. And uh, the guys are generally, someone's going to get the ball and one of the main plays that you have in baseball is to throw the ball to first to get the guy out. He's running to first base. You're trying to get him out. And so the first baseman gets into a position to receive the ball. Just because he's in a position to receive the ball, does that mean he will get the ball? It does not mean that. The person throwing the ball may throw a bad ball. It may go, have you ever watched baseball? The first baseman's here and whoo, <laughs> there goes that ball right on by him. They, uh, I've, I've seen that happen more times when pitchers throw the ball to first. I don't know why that is. A pitcher has to throw the ball to the catcher and get it in the strike zone. On a reg- How many times during the game was he trying to do that? Say 90, 100 times during the game. He's throwing that ball to the catcher's mitt right there. And he's pretty accurate. You I mean, they wouldn't be in the major leagues if he wasn't pretty accurate. He's getting the ball there. And then he picks up the ball to throw it to first base. And it's, it goes off into foul territory in the outfield. It goes someplace crazy. Why is that? I don't, I don't have the answer for that one. But it does seem to happen a number of times. So just because you're in a position to receive doesn't mean that the thing's going to come. But when the, the ball comes... And he closes his glove on the ball. The guy's out as long as he got it before the first base. The, the guy touched first base. Now let's take you on to another play. These are usually more exciting. The ball is coming home to the catcher. A guy is trying to take home, and you know, catch it. It's always a big thing there. You know, there's collisions. There's all sorts of stuff. And so the the catcher is in a position to receive. The ball comes in. It's perfectly thrown. It's right there in the glove. He catches the ball before the runner gets there and the runner hits him and knocks him silly. And then the ref does not make a call. The ref is looking at the play. He, He was there in time. He had the ball, but the ref does not make the call. Does not say out. He does not say safe. You know why? Because he is looking for something. What is it that the ref, the umpire is looking for? There's something particular that he has to find out before he will call this man out or safe. Does the catcher have the ball? That's all he cares about. The the ball was there in time. The catcher made contact with the runner in time. But the collision... Did the collision knock the ball out of the catcher's 
glove. If the, if the ball was knocked out of the catcher's glove, the man is called safe. Why? Did he not receive the ball? Yeah, but he did not retain the ball. So therefore, he did not have the ball. You can think of it that way. Think of that catcher back in, in there. You've got to catch the ball. You've got to hang on. When adversity comes against you, do you still have the ball? If you still have the ball after adversity comes, you got it. Now you got it. That's receiving. You can hear. But receiving is when adversity comes and you hang on to it. So every time you watch baseball now, you see that plate to plate. You remember. He received that ball. He got that one. That's good. Where do we leave off at? Verse 10. So hear my son and receive my sayings. And the years of your life will be many. Many. What is it? What is this country obsessed with? Health, long life, live it until they want to be. They want you to be living a long time. Yeah. And they're always telling you about the stuff that's going to cut it short, <laughs> right? If you eat fried food, if you eat fats, if you don't eat this, if you do eat this, if you do this, if you don't do this, if you go here, if you don't go here, you got all these kind of things they're telling you how to live long. I really never understood the fascination with life, long life. I just don't understand it. Because if you know where we're going, why be fascinated with it? Live your life down here. Just keep on going. But if an opportunity comes, (laughs) glory to God. (laughs) This is not bad. Graduation day. If you want to, if you have decided I want to live until I'm 80, glory to God. Live until you're 80. That's all right. Paul didn't live until he was 80, but he was satisfied. He was all right. But if you want to have a long life, forget about the uh, organic food and the uh, herbal supplements and whatever else it is that you're doing to, to be healthy. Forget all that stuff. Here it is. If you want to live long, receive my sayings and the years of your life will be many. How do you know that you received the sayings when adversity comes and you still have the ball you've received it when you walk your steps will not be hindered and when you run you will not stumble when you walk you won't be hindered nothing's going to be holding you back and when you run you will not stumble how many of you would walk more than you do now how many of you have thought, you know, I, I walk maybe so far, maybe I, I, I would walk more, but, and there's some, there's a but there, something is coming up. Either, well, this hurts, or I don't have the time, or I don't have the desire, or there's, there's, there's something there. Can you imagine if something that you could do that would be beneficial for you was not hindered? Now, it's not talking about walking here like walking around the block and getting exercise. It's talking about your walk in life. What it's saying is your walk in life will not be hindered. 
Has your walk in life ever been hindered? <laughs> Come on, we all can say, my life has been hindered at times. We've had times when it's hindered. It's because we have not embraced wisdom. We have not received wisdom. We let it go. We let the ball go. Adversity came and we dropped the ball. That catcher who catches that ball and makes that tag is a hero. That picture is put on the front of the newspaper. But if he drops the ball, he went from hero to goat. Could have won that game, but Carlos Ruiz dropped the ball. Can't believe he dropped the ball. Hero to goat, just like that. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered. And when you run, you will not stumble. Take firm hold of instruction and do not let go. Keep her for she is your life. There is instruction. When you see instruction, take firm hold of it. You want an example of this one? I've ever, anybody ever had a bulldog? I have never had a bulldog, but I've heard from people who had bulldogs and I have seen pictures. A bulldog is bred to grab hold of something and to not let go. We do not have a bulldog. We do not have a bulldog wannabe. We have a pug. Now, he has a little bit of appearance of a bulldog. And his desire is to hang on to things. But he cannot hang on to things. When you're playing tug of war with Tucker, he, it's, it's, you know, he'll, he'll lose his grip. I mean, sometimes he gets hold of it and he can go pretty good. But you, you can play tug of war with Tucker with one hand. You do not need two hands to play tug of, tug of war with Tucker. He's cute. I mean, he's putting everything he's got into it. But this is a dog who, who uh, finds a bug on the floor and chews it and the bug walks away. That's, that's our dog. Cute as a button. Really fun. We all enjoy him. But um, jaw power is not one of his things. And so uh, that's, he's not a bulldog. But a bulldog, if you give a hold of a bulldog and that bulldog gets hold of that rope or that cloth or that whatever it is that you're playing the tug-of-war toy, you can take that tug-of-war toy and you can swirl that dog around. And that dog can be up off the ground, feet flying everywhere. It is not letting go of that thing. It is hanging on. And you can pull and pull and pull and pull until your arm is tired of pulling and switch arms. And the bulldog is still going. It will not let it go. It will hang on no matter what you put it through. You can bring it through water. You can throw stuff at it. It is not letting go. They're bred that way. That is what their, their goal in life, their object in life. And how many of y'all know all dogs have different objects? Some dogs... Their main objective is to bark at nothing. That's their main goal in life is to bark at nothing. And they do a good job of it. They bark at absolutely nothing constantly. That's just their, their role. But a bulldog, their bulldog role, hang on. When you get something, don't let it go. Don't let it go. And they don't. They, they hang on to it real, real good. You need to get a hold of understanding and wisdom like that. That when you got it, nothing's going to shake you loose. Nothing's going to take you off. If you exalt wisdom, she will promote you. She will do it. But you've got to hang on to it. Through adversity, through whatever it is that comes your way, you need to hang on to it. Now, he talked about being led in the, the right way, being taught the right way. You can be taught the right way. You can be led in the right paths. 
but the steps of your walk are your own. They are your own. What you do, where you step, is your doing. It is not God's. It is yours. You can embrace wisdom, and you can go in the direction that wisdom tells you, or you can go in the direction that foolishness will tell you. Most people who go in the direction of foolishness think it is wisdom. But there are ways to tell. There are ways to tell. Let's go on. Verse 14. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of evil. Do not enter the path of the wicked. How many have ever seen a sign on a building that says, do not enter? What does that say to you? Come in and see, right? <laughs> and that's what it's always said to me. Anytime I saw do not enter on a button, come in, come in and see. I don't know if you ever were around, uh, but there were these two houses. They were up on 309. They were up in the area of Colmar. And I, I can't think of the road that, uh, I think it was our Villa Road that came out on 309. And on one side was one house and on the other side was another house. And they were boarded up for years. As long as I've ever known those houses, they have been boarded up with a sign. No trespassing. Do not enter. Such things like that. Every time I would drive by, you know what I would be thinking? I wonder what it's like in there. Every single time I drive by, I want to stop on in and just uh, take a walk through. Sometimes I've gone by a abandoned building and you know it's all boarded up and my eye catches the fact that the door the board that was covering the door is off <gasps> you know what that means it means we can go in we can go in and check it out it says do not enter i know i know we we can go in <laughs> right but the sign says do not i know i know but the door's open we can go in I told you the story before, the burned-out house that was uh, over by King's College. I don't know when it burned. All I know is that it was, the third floor was gone. There was a first floor and a second floor. Third floor was gone. It was burned off. It just out of there. And, of course, the sign was up. Do not enter. And a buddy of mine, he was a running buddy, we came to the dinner table with all the other running guys, and he said to me, he says, you want to go in? <laughs> when? <laughs> So we set off. We uh, we went on into that burned out house and it was wide open. I mean, the door just opened the door and you go inside. We walked inside and we checked out the hole downstairs. We walked up the stairs. Beautiful. I mean, this is a mansion. This was not a house. This was a mansion. Beautiful. One of those big, you know, you've seen them in the movies, big, wide, four or five feet wide staircase that didn't just go up. It went around. And we walked up. And we got into the second floor and we, we walked around, we looked around, we saw everything we could see. We saw steps that would lead up to nowhere. Steps that would walk, you go on up and they would just stop because that part of the building had been burned out. So what did we do? We walked up the steps up until the part where it stopped and we could look outside the house and we could see all the stuff that was out there. And we checked, we checked out the basement. We checked out every part of that house we could. We just walked around. Why? There's no real reason. We never asked ourselves why. We just did it. We went in there and did that. And of course, the, uh, we came back to the table the next night. We told all the people at the running table. 
what we did and what this house was. And I mean, it just was cool. Step, everything would creaking all over. You know, you, you walk kind of gingerly because you're not sure if it's going to hold you up or not. And, oh, we just had a, such a good time. And afterwards, we went and we finished our run. And uh, we came on back and we told them all. And, well, our buddy of ours, he, he decided to go out there. And at least we were smart enough. We did it with two of us. But you know, we had a little bit of wisdom. <laughs> it wasn't a whole lot. It was a little bit of wisdom. We went in there at least with two. So if something happened, you know, the other person was there. Well, he went in by himself. And I told you the story before, but we, we, it's the same two of us. We were running by the house and we saw him out on the porch. Hey, how you doing? He didn't wave back. We kept on going. And so uh, later on that night, he says, ah, that was you guys that came on by. Yeah, yeah, that was us. We waved to you, but he didn't say anything back. He says, I was kind of dazed. I was walking just like you guys said you were walking. And I was going in different places. And I was walking up those steps that went up to nowhere. And all of a sudden, I was in the basement. <laughs> straight down. Straight down from the second floor into the basement. And he said, I just came back out. I was just kind of dazed from that uh, trip down into the basement. <laughs> And so uh, it was a few more weeks later after that that the house was torn down. And I guess whatever insurance stuff had to be going on was, was taken care of. But, um, you know, do not enter. What's do not enter mean? It means if you go in here, it is unsafe. It, it, now, we got in and we did all we wanted and we got out. And it, and it didn't hurt. So obviously, anytime we see do not enter, we can just go in. <laughs> no, that's not what it means. But uh, that's a lot of times how we live life, isn't it? Because God says, don't do this, and we did it, and we got away with it. So what do we think? Well, I guess I, I guess I can do that. doesn't work for other people, but I guess I can do it. No, he says, do not enter the path of the wicked. Now, do not raise your hand on this, but how many of you in your past life have ever entered into the path of the wicked? <laughs> And, and, and came out okay. And sometimes we go into the path of the wicked and we come out okay and we think, oh, I guess it's not so bad after all. It's kind of like eating the fruit of the tree and not dying. Do not enter the path of the wicked. He says, don't do it. So if you do enter the path of the wicked, what happens? Oh, well, the bad stuff can happen. Does it mean it's going to happen? Not Maybe not every time. One time we walked through that burned out house and we did okay. Next day, somebody else walked through, same places that we walked through, and he got, he got hurt. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of evil. We have walked in the way of evil. We have walked in the path of the wicked. We've gotten ourselves in there, but we came out. Now, sometimes we got ourselves into trouble. He's not saying that every time you do this, you will get into trouble. He's saying, if you do it, you are setting yourselves up for problems. And sometimes if you walk in the path of the wicked, then the wicked come along and say, what do you mean? You came with us last time. Do not enter. Do not walk. So this is how to be free from bad stuff. First thing is do not enter. Do not enter. If you want to be free from bad stuff in your life, the first thing, do not enter the path of the wicked. Just right along with that. Do not walk in the way of evil. Here's the second one. Avoid it. Avoid it. How many of y'all know what avoid means? Have you ever been driving your car and something suddenly came up on the road and you want to try to avoid it? If you hit it, did you succeed? No. 
How do you know that you successfully avoided something? If you don't hit it, that's all there is to it. If you avoid it, you just want to stay away from that particular thing, whether it be a car, a deer, uh, whatever it might be that came in your way. Avoid it. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. That's a great way to avoid it, right? Don't travel on it. Don't travel on the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Here's the third one. Turn away from it and pass on. I want you to do this, just a little exercise. I want you to look at a person on your left. Just look at a person on your left. Get them in your sights. And they don't have to be looking at you. They're looking the other way. You look at that person on your left. And now I want you to do this. I want you to turn away. That's all you got to do. Turn away. You're seeing it. I'm seeing it right there. And, and, and turn away. We do this all the time. How many of you ever been on a diet and there's certain foods that you do not want to eat? And they come into your view. What do you do? <laughs> if you don't want to eat it, what should you do? Turn away. Another thing you could do is avoid it. <laughs> if that particular food is in a particular restaurant or store, you could also do not enter. And that would also help you out, right? So if you want to be free from bad stuff, do not enter, avoid, turn it away. These things will help. I mean, it's simple, right? Wisdom does not have to be complex. It can be very simple. Do not enter, avoid it, turn away. You do this, and you can be doing a whole lot better. Well, I don't know. The, I don't know if it's the path of the wicked. Oh, come on! Really? Go back to the movies. I'm sure sometime this week or sometime this week coming up, you all are going to watch a movie. A movie consists of all. Just about all movies consist of certain things. First off, a hero or heroine, a villain or villainess. Uh, a promised reward and adversity along the way. Right? Isn't that what a movie does? You got the hero, heroess, girl, boy, whatever it is. You got the villain. You got, here's the promised reward, the, the boy and the girl getting together and living happily ever after. And then along the way, the villain comes in and he says something, he does something to disturb that relationship. And they go off in their separate ways. You know, that's, that's how the movies go. That's what it, that, that's that's our our movie life. Well, we can watch those movies and we can determine the way of wickedness. How long do you watch a movie until you figure out who the villain is? Five minutes, ten minutes. There's a, there's a lot of easy ways to tell who the villain is. First off, generally the name will tell you. You know that they, a villain does not have the name of Bob. Sally. These are not villain names. Villain names are Victor. Right? Not Vic. No. Victor. Or if it's a villainess, Victoria. Not Vicky. We do not have Vicky villainesses. We have Victorias. Okay? Cruella. Right? She's the, most, she's the most famous of all. And she, she's Cruella DeVille. I mean, oh, there's nothing likable about her at all. But just listen to some of the names. I mean, the names of villains are not Bob, Sam, 
They're, they're, they're different kind of names. And how many of y'all know that certain actors always play the part of the villain? That's just their character. They are always the villain. You know, we watch Matlock sometimes and a certain uh, guy shows up and, they, oh, he did it. We don't have to go any further. We know he did it. We don't know what he did yet, but he did it. <laughs> I know he did it because he would not be in this if he didn't do it. He did it. Sure enough, you know, you get in there and, yeah, he did it. So you can kind of tell by that we're real good. We can watch movies and we can pick out who the villain is. We can pick out the way of evil. We can see it, but in our own life, we are stupid. We are stupid. So this is what you need to do. You need to get somebody near you who's watching your movie. Because somebody near you who's watching your movie can probably tell you, that's a villain right there. Look at the name. Let me tell you that. Look at the name. They're a villain. Look at the, they'll be, they'll be able to pinpoint the path of evil in your life easy. You're only having a hard time. The same reason that the people in the movies have the hard time. How many times have you coached the screen and told the woman, don't go out with him. He is scum. He's no good for you. And you're shouting at the TV. You're telling them, don't you see what he did? But, but she doesn't. She goes right along with it. So you can see it real good for there, but if it's in your life, you're, like, you're just like her. Oh, he's so sweet. Uh-huh. Get somebody else who's watching your movie. They will help you out. Verse 16. For they do not sleep unless they have done evil, and their sleep is taken away unless they make someone fall. This is Bible. You've got to understand, you are not like this, but there are people in the world who do not sleep until they've done evil. They get to the bed, I didn't do any evil today. We, we wouldn't even think about that. But the Bible is telling us there are people out there, I didn't do any evil today. And they look for evil. If they lay on their bed, they like to contemplate, oh, I got this one and I hurt this one and I did this evil here. That's, a, that's some bad people. But they're out there. Their sleep is taken away unless they make someone fall. There are people out there. If you could spot them, you wouldn't have any trouble. The problem is, you can only spot them when they're in the movies. Or when they're in somebody else's movie. Their sleep is taken away unless they make someone fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. I put the the message translation in there. I want you to have this be able to see. Evil people are restless unless they're making trouble. They can't get a good night's sleep unless they've made life miserable for someone. Perversity is their food and drink. Violence, their drug of choice. Does that give you a good picture of what's going on? There is darkness and there is light. That's it. There is darkness and there is light. Yeah, but what about the gray areas? No, the Word of God tells us there is darkness Or there is light. The things that are of Satan's kingdom are? Darkness. The things that are of God's kingdom are? Then where would the gray come from? Gray comes from when we take things from Satan's kingdom and try and make it look good. That's where gray comes from. Stay away from that stuff. It's not going to help you. There is darkness and there is light. Verse 18. But the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. That's the path of the just. Do you know people that you would not describe this way? Do you have people in your life that you would not describe that their path is like the shining sun? 
Yeah, they're villains. Wisdom will keep you away from that stuff. That is the way of wickedness there. That's the way of evil. Stay out of it. The way of the wicked is like darkness. That's pretty easy. You are in light. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. They don't know what makes them stumble. They fall over stuff and they say, how'd that happen? What's here? But you can see it because you are in light. It's supposed to be. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. This is some of the most important stuff that you're going to get here. You need to get hold of this. And I hope you get the full understanding of what he's talking about. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. What are? The words. The words of wisdom. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence. Do you remember a command that God gave to the first people, whoever inhabited, or not ever, but first people that he put on this earth in the Garden of Eden? What was his command to Adam? Guard and keep it. Did he do a good job? <laughs> no. When the Satan came in, he didn't kick him out. Should have. Would have stopped the whole problem. He didn't do it. Guard and keep it. Have you ever started a vegetable garden or a flower garden around your house? What do you have to do? Guard. Keep the weeds out. Keep the critters out. And keep it. You've got to water it. You've got to feed it. If you just plant it and let it go, what happens? Nothing, nothing good that you want. Same thing with your life. Keep your heart with all diligence. You've got to do the same thing with your heart that you would do with your vegetable garden or your flower garden. It is a regular thing. Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it spring the issues of life. Where does life come from? Verse 23 again. Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it spring the issues of life. It comes from your heart. Life comes from your heart. It's where life comes from. Now, keep that in mind as he goes on. Put away from you. Uh, well, but before we do that, keep your heart with all diligence. Your heart is your spirit that's down on the inside of you. For out of it spring the issues of life. How does life issue from your heart? Does it leak? Does it float? How does life come from your heart? Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. Brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The Word of God also tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue. So how does life issue from your heart? 
by your words. Will my words bring your life out of your heart? No, it is your words. Your words are what bring the life out. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Does that sound like a life-giving process right there? So keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. So we got this part down. We haven't hit the real good part yet. This is just the foundation part. Your heart has life. It issues out by the words that you speak. Your heart has life because of the wisdom that you embrace and bring in. It doesn't just have it. You've got to bring in the wisdom. When you bring in wisdom, you embrace wisdom, not foolishness. Life is in your heart. Your words will bring that life out. So keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Verse 24, put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Why is he going and talking about the mouth? Because that's where the issues of life come from. That's what the, the life issues from. It's, it's from your, your mouth. It's from the things you speak. But he says, put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Put away from you a deceitful mouth. This is a mouth that's... A deceitful mouth is basically a mouth that speaks things contrary to what you believe. Right? Deceitful mouth is one that speaks contrary to the things that you believe. Not the things that you feel. You may feel some things and not say them. That's good. That's generally wisdom. We're talking about belief. When you have an established belief on the inside, you need to speak that. You know that you have received it when you hang on to that belief, when you hang on to those words, even in the midst of adversarial conditions. Even when that runner comes home and tries to get you to knock that ball free. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Now, he says this right after he talks about life. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. So I began to ponder this thing for a while. Why is it that he says this? Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life, followed up by, put away from you a deceitful mouth, and put perverse lips far from you. Because there is a connection between your heart, your spirit, and the life that is in it when you embrace wisdom, and your mouth. There is a connection that is there. That connection is a good connection. It is helpful to have that. When we are connected, things help out. How many of you have cell phones? What happens when you have no bars on your cell phone? You are disconnected. Your cell phone cannot get you in touch with the Internet, cannot get you in touch with 
text messages, cannot get you in touch with emails, cannot get you in touch with anything at all. Not You can't make a phone call because you are disconnected. And the money that you put into that phone is useless right now because you cannot make the connection. In order for the words of your mouth to have function, that cell phone needs to be connected to a tower somewhere. And as long as that connection is intact, you can pull out that cell phone and you can call people. We've been living around this area. You know, we hardly ever have any dead zones. But there are places in the country that do have dead zones. We were, uh, Christian and I were up at a camp uh, many years ago. And they told us when we got there that most, most times cell phones don't work. But there's this one spot out in the field that if you stand out there in the field, you can make a phone call. Sure enough, they were right. You'd be in a nice warm cabin and it's dry. And you can't make any phone calls. If we wanted to call back home and just see what was going on, we had to stand out in the field, whether it be raining, whether it be cold, didn't matter, because that's where the connection was. Don't know why that was, but that's what you had to do. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. So I meditated on this for a while to get a hold of what is this that is, that is going on? What is this connection? And it's simply this. When you allow... Did I put it in your outline? I think I... I think I put it in your outline for you. It is in there. We're going to, we're going to get to here and, and, and show you this part. When you allow your mouth to speak the things that you believe, the things that you have built up as belief, the wisdom of God, because beliefs are built on wisdom. Beliefs are built on the wisdom of God. And you speak out those beliefs. You are speaking life to yourself. These are life-giving words. And you speak life to these situations. When you have a situation that comes up and it looks like it's going to be a bad situation for you, you can speak two things. You can speak out there, oh, I think this one's going to take me down. Oh, I don't think this one's going to go so well. Oh, I think it's going to go this way and I'm not going to like that. You can speak words like that or you can tap into your belief. What's the Word of God say? All my ways... Well, he guides my ways. He guides my steps. He's a light unto my path. We can talk about these things and I can, I can begin to say these. I believe that God is a light unto my path. I believe that when I need to know, I will know exactly what I need to do in this situation. I'll know which way to go. I will be able to tell the wisdom from the foolishness. And you speak stuff like this. What's that doing for you? Life. Life. If you've got a bill at home and you, haven't, uh, you don't have the money to pay it and you go around and say, I don't know how we're going to pay it. I don't know how we're going to pay it. I don't know how we're going to pay it. Oh, I don't think we're going to be able to pay it. Oh, I think it's going to... What happens to you? Is there life in that? No. What should you be speaking out of? The wisdom of God from the beliefs that are down on the inside of your, your heart. Father God, I thank you that you take care of all my needs. Father God, I thank you that you provide for me in these things. And you speak these things out. What's that going to be doing for you? It's bringing life. It's bringing life. Here's the problem. We have, at times, fallen into deceitful lips. There are times that we say things with our mouth that we do not mean with our heart. And we have made that disconnection. When we make that disconnection with things that we think don't matter, when it comes to things that do, we have severed the connection. I'm going to give you some examples on what we mean with that. But here's, what, here's the 
the part that you need. When you speak deceitful and perverse things, you separate the connection of life and words and heart. The connection of life and words or your heart and mouth and death envelops you. So there's a connection of life and the words and the heart and the mouth. And that's what you need to do. When you speak deceitful and perverse things, you separate the connection of life and words because there's a connection there between the life and the words and the heart and mouth. What is in your heart comes out your mouth. There is life in those words. There is connection there. When you speak deceitful and perverse things, you separate the connection of life and words heart and mouth, and death envelops you. Death is all around us. We're in a world of death. But God brings life. And He's taken that life and He puts it right down on the inside of us through belief in our heart. And when we speak it out, we speak out life. We speak out life. Every time we keep speaking life, that's what you need to do. When adversity comes, what do you speak out? Failure or life. It's all matter whether you're still hanging on to the ball or not. Or whether it got knocked out because of the adversity that came in. I want to take you over to an example in the Bible. And we'll give you some examples on this as well. In Exodus chapter 18. Exodus chapter 18. Bring up verse 1. I didn't uh, put this in my outline, so I'll have to read it from the screen. And Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for, his, for Moses and for Israel, his people, that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back, with her two sons, of whom the name of one was Gershom, for he said, I have been a stranger in a foreign land. And the name of the other was Eliezer, for he said, The God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he was encamped in the mountain of God. Now he said to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her. Now stop there for just a minute. I always think this is funny in the Word of God when we see this. And we see it a number of different times. But take a look at this verse. And now he had said, that's past tense, right? That means before he got there, he had said to who? How does he say something to Moses when he's not there? Real simple answer for it. He called him up on the cell phone. Right? He sent a telegram. He sent a letter. How did, in, in the days of Moses, how did you send a message? With a messenger. How to be a live person. So what Jethro does is, Jethro sends someone on ahead. Basically, Jethro says this. Look, I'm going to take my time and get there. I want you to run and get there fast. <laughs> so that's what happens. He runs and he gets there fast and he says, I'm coming over to you. Be, be warned. And I'm coming with your wife. So he can get ready. Because last time he saw her, she was mad. Verse 7. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other about their well-being. And they went into the tent. Yeah, how you doing? Doing okay? Verse 8. 
And Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake and all the hardships they had come upon them on their way and how the Lord delivered them. He didn't just tell them about the hardships. told them about how God had delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all the good which the Lord had done for Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. Verse 10. And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and who has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods, for in the very thing in which they behave proudly, he was above them. Sounds like he's a good believer, doesn't it? Verse 12. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and other sacrifices to offer to God. Who did? Jethro. Moses' father-in-law took a burnt offering and other sacrifices to offer to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. And so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. And so it was that the people came and stood before Moses from morning until evening. Is this a special occasion that Jethro and his, his wife have come into town? You would think that if Moses is going to get any kind of day off, this would be it. But apparently not. Go on to the next verse. So when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, he said, what is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? This tells us something. He watched him from morning until evening. He didn't speak up right away. How many times have people ever seen something that you're doing and before you're even finished it, want to tell you about it? How you're doing it wrong, how you're doing it right, or whatever it might be. Look what Jethro does. He sits there and he watches the entire day unfold. It's a wise person who will sit back and watch the whole thing develop before they speak. goes on to verse 15. And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come out to me to inquire of God. It's a pretty simple answer, isn't it? <laughs> and when they have difficulty, they come to me and I judge between one and another. And I make known the statutes of God and his laws. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you do is not good. How many of you ever like hearing that? You ever been doing something and somebody comes up to you and says, that's not good. You're not doing it right. What, do we, what happens when somebody comes up to us and tells us we're not doing it right? What happens? Come on, tell me. What happens on the inside? We say, we mean I'm not doing it right. I've been doing it this way for 10 years. I've been doing it this way for 15 years. I've been doing it this way for, for Moses a couple months now. What do you mean I'm not doing it right? I don't see you here. <laughs> what you're doing is not good. Go on to the next verse. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. For this thing is too much for you and you are not able to perform it by yourself. Listen now to my voice. What's the first thing about wisdom? You got you to hear it. Listen now to my voice. I will give you counsel and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God. And you shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. 
Now, I want you to do something just to, just to think about that. If you have, we know that Israel at this point is somewhere in number between two and four million people. Two and four million people, somewhere in that neck of the woods. We're going to stay with the conservative number of two million. Okay? Just for fun. Rulers of thousands. That means one ruler per 1,000 people. If you have one ruler per 1,000 people and you have two million people, how many rulers of thousands do you need? Two thousand. Two thousand. We'll get you there. All right. That's the first group. Rulers of hundreds. If you need a ruler for each hundred people and you have two million people, how many do you need? Twenty thousand. We are now up to twenty two thousand people. Rulers of fifties. Well, if we have twenty thousand for that, we gotta double it for this, right? So that's forty thousand. Forty thousand, twenty thousand, and two thousand. That is now 62,000 people. Rulers of tens. How many rulers of tens do you need if you have 2 million people? 2 million people? 200,000. So right now, if we just stay with the conservative number of 2 million people, we need 200,000. 62,000 people. That's around a quarter million people to make this work. If you have 3 million people, you need over half a million. Is what Jethro was saying a big deal? Is it going to be involved? One quarter million people. I want you to get this understanding of this. Moses is standing there before the people night and day from, from early in the morning until late at night or sometime until the, the, the sun goes down. He is doing this by himself because he is the one who knows the laws of God. So Jethro says, look, just teach it to other people. And he's telling them that right now you have got a quarter million people, at least a quarter million people of leaders in your group. And Moses is doing this all by himself. Now, Moses does this all by himself. He's saying, you will be wore out and the people will be wore out. If we train up a quarter million people and put them into work, what happens? Moses doesn't get wore out. And the quarter million people begin to be developed. Because a ruler of 10 can become a ruler of 50. A ruler of 50 can become a ruler of 100. A ruler of 100 can become a ruler of 1,000. And a ruler of 1,000 can become a ruler of, of even more. Some higher than that. He's got a quarter million people is what Jethro is telling them. He says, you need to train these people up. You need to focus on training these folks up. If you do that, you won't be wore out and you can focus on getting before God. And these guys can focus on the other stuff. You let the rulers of ten take care of the lighter matters. If something doesn't quite work with that, then you go to the uh, rulers of fifties. If something doesn't quite get beyond them, you go to the rulers of a hundred. If something doesn't get beyond them, you go to rulers of a thousand. Does this system sound familiar at all? Our court system is based on a very similar system. We have lower courts and higher courts. 
And the idea is you work your way on through. If you can't get it solved here, we go up here. We go up here. We go. Up. Where do you think they got it from? Most of how our government is set up in the Constitution came from the Bible. This is just one you can see right, right now because we're, we're here. But all the, rest, all the rest of it did as well. Verse 22. And let them judge the people at all times. <laughs> Whenever a judge, a judge thing needs to be done, they're ready. Let them judge them at all times. Then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you. But every small matter they themselves shall judge. So it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. A whole lot easier to have someone else bear the burden there. Verse 23. If you do this thing and God so commands you. I'll tell you what, this is great. When people come to you and approach it this way. They don't just say, look, this is what God's saying. Either you do it or you fail. No, he doesn't say that. He says, look. If you do this thing and God so commands you, I'm just telling you what I see. If God commands you to do it this way, you listen to God. Then you will be able to endure and all this people will also go to their place in peace. That's a whole idea, whole main idea, right? So Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law and did what? All that he had said. Now, here's the most remarkable thing about this story. Where does Moses get his wisdom from? He gets it from God. How does he, how does he talk with God? Face to face. I mean, God said, I don't talk, I've never talked to anybody like I talked to Moses. We have conversations. And he comes out of those conversations glowing. So here's the question. Why didn't God ever tell him to not do this? Doesn't that make sense to ask that? If he's before God all the time, why didn't God tell him? I'll give you a couple of reasons. First off, he's not in the presence of God as much because he's where? He's in front of the people. When he's before God, he has to go about other matters. So it could be that uh, Moses doesn't have enough time to hear all these things. Now, later on in life, once he puts this in place, he's hearing from God on all kinds of stuff. But until he put this into place, that wasn't happening, was it? He was before them morning to night. And that'll wear you out. Jethro saw that. Well, you know, why didn't... Uh, hey, but Moses. What, Moses said, Jethro, if God wanted me to do that, he'd have told me. He didn't do that. He listened. He said, look, listen to God. But if you do this, you guys are going to be okay. You guys are going to be all right. Let's finish this off. So Jethro first listens and watches before he gives advice. He listens and he watches before he gives advice. This thing that... Moses, did you do? It's not going to be good. It's not going to be good for you. It's not going to be good for the people. There are leaders that are in waiting. There are leaders that are in waiting. So Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he said. You have people right now that are trying to speak into your life and some of you have shut them down because you simply say, if God wanted me to do it that way, he would have told me. But you're not in a place to hear it. You need to recognize the wisdom of God when it comes. God will send it. Did the wisdom of God come to Rehoboam? Did he listen? No. And there were other examples in the Word of God too. But there are examples of people who heard the wisdom of God and didn't take it. There are examples like Jehoshaphat, or not Jehoshaphat, um, Jeroboam, who heard the foolishness in his heart. And he spoke it out to people and people confirmed it with him. So, Here's the thing. We call, we call this despising the wisdom of God. I want to tell you how to despise the wisdom of God. 
Y'all ready for that? This would be good. Really bless your socks right off, right? How to despise the wisdom of God. Because too often, folks, we are despising the wisdom of God. We're not recognizing it. So if I tell you how to do it, then you know it, then you know when you're doing it. So how to despise the wisdom of God. First off, hear it, but don't recognize it. If you hear the wisdom of God, but don't recognize it as the wisdom of God, you are despising the wisdom of God. But I, I didn't recognize it. Don't matter. The Word of God tells you, hear it and recognize it. Go get it. Go get wisdom. Go get understanding. It's up to you to go get it. So when you get it, you got to recognize it. Hear it, but don't recognize it. That's a way to despise the wisdom of God. Moses could have said, I'm not doing that. I'm the best one for this job. I'm going to keep doing it. It would have been a problem. Pretend it is wise only to talk it down later. Remember that separation between your mouth and your heart? How many times have you ever heard wisdom come from somebody? You've been in, in school and a professor's, you have a problem how to deal with the thing. And the professor says, all right, if you go out and you do this and it's wisdom, it's good stuff if you would do it. And you say, okay, okay, okay. And you leave the classroom and run into one of your buddies. What'd they say? How did they tell you to do Oh, it was garbage. You wouldn't even believe the junk he told me to do. What are you doing? Despising the wisdom of God. That's how you do it. Pretend it is wise only to talk it down later. You should never pretend something you hear is wisdom if it's not. If you don't understand it as wisdom, then you need to ask questions. Okay, well, wait a How would we do that? How would we go about and you ask questions then? There have been times that people have said things to me and I recognize it was not the wisdom of God and I simply say, that's not right. I don't say it about them to someone else. I say it about them right there. That's not right. That's not the wisdom of God. Don't get into a habit of speaking, okay, okay, yeah, 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 and then go away and say something different. You are getting that separation between you and that life. Pretend it is wise only to talk it down later. Number three, give in to a deceitful mouth and separate yourself from the life-giving force given to you. Give in to a deceitful mouth. Start speaking things that are apart from your belief. Start speaking things out of your feelings instead of your belief. Feelings lie. Beliefs don't. If you do these kind of things, you are despising the wisdom of God. Then the wisdom of God, you can't embrace it. It's not going to bring life to you. It's not going to help you. If you want to despise the wisdom of God, hear it, but don't recognize it. Pretend it is wise only to talk it down later and give in to a deceitful mouth and separate yourself from the life-giving force that God has put down on the inside of you. God has given you that force. He wants you to speak words of life. Don't contradict yourselves later on. Listen. God will send words of wisdom. He will send His wisdom to... Most of the time that we have seen the wisdom of God come to people, it has come through people. Isn't that right? It has come through people. Have we found a case yet where someone was just reading the Word and all of a sudden came up to them as wisdom? I'm not saying there isn't cases like that. But most of the cases we've looked at, people spoke the wisdom. There are people in your life right now that are speaking wisdom to you. If you embrace it, it will be life. If you despise it, it will take you down a wrong road. A long, a wrong road. If you embrace wisdom, what happens to promotion? She will promote you. How many of you have been wanting to be promoted on your job? You better look at how you've handled wisdom. Because it may be you haven't handled wisdom the way that you need to.
Would y'all stand up with me? Father, we thank you for the help that you give us to recognize wisdom, to bring it into our life, to embrace it, to not let it go, to not have our that separation between our lips and our heart. But out of our mouth will come the issues of life. Out of our mouth, we will speak out of our belief, not out of our feelings. Out of our mouth, we will speak the things that we know are true. Out of our mouth, we will speak the things that wisdom teaches us. For then, life is spoken. And all it changes where we go. It changes what we do. We thank you for the help that you give us in that, Father. As we go out this week, wisdom is going to come to us. Help us to always be on the lookout for it. Just keep us, keep reminding us the Word of God. Keep looking. Keep embracing. Keep finding. And to bring it in and embrace it, not let it go. We thank you for the help that you give us on this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Before we go, we want to read over our praise reports. We have some praise reports. Out there, can, uh, is, the, is the microphone back with you guys? No battery? All right. No, we got to get it on tape. It's not okay. Yellow. Um, Pastor Steve, <clears throat> he says that God continues to bring in more um, with hardly any advertising. And this week alone, we wrote up six. So we thank God for that. <clears throat> it's on, right? Did you hear what I said? Okay. All right. Praise God. And Roshan wrote one last night. She said, last night we were able... Not only blessed to see Alexis, but we were blessed with dinner for four at no cost. Oh. You know, that's always great to see our kids when they're... This is a praise report from Anna. She's uh, praising God for her sister. Um, thank God for healing my sister. She had very high white blood count and uh, a low, uh, low blood cell, red blood cells. <clears throat> the test showed she has anemia. Doctors are treating this and helping her to take her medication properly. Um, and there's no cancer anywhere. Praise God. Amen. You know what, let's just, can we just take a minute and thank God yeah. for all the, the, everybody just stand up and let's just thank him for the wonderful things. You know, Father God, we just thank you.